Hey, hi, hello. <laughs> Hola, amigas. How's it going? Oh. Well, <laughs> I just woke up this morning and I was like, it's going to be a great day. It's a sinister Sunday. We're going to knock out some episodes. We're going to get some brunch. Great times. <laughs> and then I asked you all, so what episode are we recording first? The group one, right? And you guys said, no, it's your turn. And I said, <laughs> oh, uh, well, mine, without giving too much away, I did mine in the order that we would do the group episode first. And so thank God I have very flexible co-hosts who understand that I am just a hot mess of a person. So today is another group episode from your favorite podcast, Sinister Sunrise. I'm Morgan. I'm Erin. I'm Sarah. <laughs> I'm already crying. <laughs> I mean, we all have our cup of spooks. Yeah. You know, it's early in the morning. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Who doesn't like a group episode? <sighs> I know. <sighs> anyway. Nothing to sigh about. Yeah. Happens. Thanks, ladies. Yeah. You're the best. Um, so I think we've established Sarah is first. Sure. Then Aaron and then me. Sure. Yep. Yeah. No game needed this week, guys. It's been a hectic morning. Um, <sighs> we are going to tell you about Yabba Dabba Yosemite National Park. I'm sorry. Ooh. I'm sorry, Aaron. Wait, what, what, what did you say last week? Yo- Yosemite? Yeah. <laughs> I was cracking up. You're so cute. Yosemite. That's the SLP in you. Yes. I pronounce every word. Wait, How it's word? spelled. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yosemite sounds very good. There's this guy on TikTok that keeps hopping up for me. He's like, as a dyslexic, I have some bones to pick with the American language. Can for we just real. agree? He's like, here's words that are spelled stupid and going forward, we're just going to fix it. One was drawer. Dude. And he's like, let's just, you know what? Cut the shit. D-R- w- or D-R-O-R. Drawer. Drawer. Yeah. I like it. Oh, there was another one that was really good. No, I'll think of it later. Maybe Thorough. It like- That's a hard one. Thurrow. Why isn't it just thorough? Thorough. February. Oh my Why God. is there that extra R? February. But like you don't pronounce it. But you don't yeah. say February. Wait. Did I just say it right? <laughs> I don't know. Are you supposed to say the R? February. Fe- you don't say February. No, that sounds wrong. February. February. <laughs> well, we are recording this in August. Oh um, my god. It's my birth month. You'd think I'd know how to say it, but... February. <laughs> Saying February, not August. Oh, okay. I was like, whoa. All right, because you and Wes had your anniversary recently, too. Yeah. And I was telling Clay, I was like, oh, she got a gift. And I was like, oh, is it her birthday? No. I got her gift. No. <gasps> yes. No, it's not. It's February. No, just our dating anniversary, because we're basic bitches. Because you're cute. You, you know, need, so cute. needed an excuse to go out to a... Very nice steak dinner, so. Yeah, I see no issue. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But, <sighs> yes, we are talking about Yosemite, Yosemite National Park. Correct. Say it how you want. We don't judge you. Um, looking on Wikipedia this morning, it is <laughs> a national park in California, mm-hmm. surrounded on the southeast by the Sierra National Forest and on the northwest by, should not have started that, Stanislaus National Forest. Oh, good. That's okay. It's Sounded... big. It's beautiful. Guys, just Google some pics. We'll also have it on our Instagram, but it's it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Also, if you would, <laughs> you need to know if you just Google 
even if you spell it wrong, it'll come up correctly. Uh, <laughs> Yosemite Park, it lists popular times of the day to visit. And right oh. now, we are getting a live reading of Not Too Busy. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> peak hiking time. Yes. Peak, peak time. Peak but time. What I hope our episode is going to do is maybe caution you about hiking alone. Um, or hiking and maybe not telling people where you're going because a lot of disappearances have happened in said Yosemite National Park. Mm-hmm. Um, some can be explained, some can't. So that is, yeah, the basis of our episode today. All right. So mm-hmm. I'm going to get started with disappearances that we know what had happened, and it is <laughs> a doozy. We Ooh. know what had happened was. <laughs> what had happened was a little crazy time. So today I'm going to tell you guys about the American serial killer who made Yosemite National Park his hunting grounds. Oh, his I... name is Carrie Stainer, and he is narcissistic as fuck. Oh, I bet. Um, but before we can get into his murders, this is me. Hi, Psychology Sarah. We <laughs> need to get into the why, which unfortunately for Gary, the why started straight at the beginning. So where are we going? Where else but Carrie's childhood? You just said Carrie, then Gary, and then Carrie again. Which one is it? Oh, it's a Carrie with a C. Okay. Well, maybe I just misheard. I'm sorry. No, you didn't, because I'm looking. I have an Uncle Gary. I'm wondering if I typed Gary or if it autocorrected. If you hear a G, well, K- please just put in a K sound. <laughs> C-A-R-Y is not a very typical spelling of that, I don't think. Well, he's not a very typical man. It doesn't so. sound like it. All right. So, ladies and listeners, I want you to go back in time with me to 1961, California. Sounds nice, baby. (laughs) Yes, yes. You have JFK becoming president. Mm. The Peace Corps was officially established because we were supposed to think not what our country can do for us, but what we can do for (laughs) our country. Um, And the slogan ran very true in the Stainer household because in 1961, Carrie Stainer was born into the household of a very strict and stiff veteran staff sergeant of the Vietnam War and a homemaker. So his dad did go overseas. He fought in a war. The Vietnam War, I think, is an issue in itself. Oh, yeah. And all the soldiers had a little bit of stuff they brought back with them. Maybe not all, excuse me. A lot. So Carrie was one out of five children, two boys and three girls. On paper, this is a swell family. However, behind closed doors, they were very unhappy. The mother, in later interviews, later admits that there was abuse, and she had also experienced She had also experienced an abusive childhood, which is really just a terrible life, like one abuser to the next. That's sad. Yes. But saying that their house was tense and abusive, it is speculation, but it's speculation with proof. So around the age of three, Carrie was so stressed that he started pulling out his own hair. (sighs) Trichotillomania. Yes. Good word to pull out, Miss Morgan. Yes. Thank you. By the age of seven, he had already began having violent fantasies. One he distinctly remembers is being in the backseat of his parents' car on the way to the grocery store and being so excited at the thought of tying up and killing the women who worked the checkout. I'm sorry, he was how old? Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, No. uh, uh. Mm -mm. Oh my God, stop. Yes. Okay, are we having like a Richard Chase moment? Because I'm... (laughs) Yes. Not well. I... Woo, I'm mm, crying. (laughs) Yes. I will say we got this story from him later in life. So it's very possible he added some details 
But regardless, he was having like sexually violent thoughts at seven years old. No, 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 no. Yes. And also it's clear that he had started equating violence and sexual violence with power already, which is scary. Very. And also usually that means something like there's been a traumatic incident that happened to him that would make him think that way. Mm -hmm. Which Carrie has stated that he was sexually assaulted by his uncle growing up. I hate people. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm going to choose to believe all this is true. You're saying he grew up in a very, not the most loving household. Yes, it all triangles back. Not very <laughs> loving, very strict, abusive, and now you have sexual abuse as well. So it is not so not a fun time. As what I've learned from you, Sarah, what I learned in boating school is <laughs> uh, all I need to hear is that he was killing small animals, wetting the bed, and we that's the real triangle that we talked about before right that is like the McDonald's three triad yeah triad yeah. but like, there are other things that would be indicators of childhood trauma which i think right we can say he is dealing with oh yeah one of those is plenty all of that combined into a mixing bowl of drama is yes um mm-hmm. goodbye mixing bowl of drama i will be using that <laughs> put that welcome. sticker on my fridge <laughs> is um, it me am i the drama <laughs> am i the drama okay So all this is bad in itself, but in 1972, when Carrie was 11, his younger brother, Stephen, who was seven at the time, and his father's favorite child, because it said they were night and day. Like, Carrie was a little more serious. I mean, obviously, things were going on. He's imagining people being tied up and killed. And Stephen was kind of like a golden child. He was the youngest. He was everyone's favorite. He got doted on. I bet he didn't have a curfew like I did, Mom. (laughs) And... Well, okay, even in families that are, like, quote-unquote normally functioning, they're almost always more strict on that first child. And then by the time the last one's born, they're like, but he's the baby. He's oh, amazing. Yeah. So everything else tied in, and then you're watching this brother get all the love. But it is said that Carrie was very protective over Stephen. Okay. So that made it doubly hard when Stephen was abducted <gasps> by a pedophile at the Whoa. age of seven. So, it's, it's this is crazy timing, and I don't know if this is what inspired your idea for Yosemite, but Hulu nope. just released Captive Audience, I think is what it's called. Give me one second. Yeah. Uh, wait. Let me double check the name. It is not. It was actually the cryptid disappearances that triggered this for me. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. It was like, I did you hear my voice? Like, cryptids. Yeah. <laughs> Whispering in your ear. Yes. Um, let's see. Hulu... Hulu. Because I did know there was a Hulu documentary, but I learned about it like 12 hours ago and said, mm, ain't got enough time to watch that. <laughs> yes. So I started it yesterday because it was, you know, good background for when I'm completing my notes that just proves more of how chaotic of a human I am. <laughs> uh, yes. It's called Captive Audience, A Real American Horror Story, which low key, maybe they'll do like more. Because like it's like Captive Audience and then the little subtitle. But anyway, it's on Hulu and I'm an episode and a half, two episodes and a half in. I had no idea. So I got, so this, the documentary starts is totally the beginning of Steven's story. Okay. So, but like the whole, like if you watch the trailer, it's like, how much could one family go through? And it's talking about a serial killer and I'm like, how does this, does he turn into a serial killer? Like what happens? Dude, this is a wild Gary yes. is like mentioned like two times. 
which is sad because his life, as you can hear, is very tra- like traumatic anyway. And That's then his so brother crazy. gets abducted. Wow. So what yeah, Morgan, jump fuck? in wherever you want to. Okay. Um, and so did they have like a good relationship with each other? Yes. Like, okay. Stephen and Carrie, they were close. Cause again, yeah, two they boys. were the only two boys. And I think Carrie, were they three years apart? Um, 11 and seven. That's four. That's four. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you this is an audio podcast, but my eyes just got <laughs> huge. Like math, that math, is math, 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 math. <laughs> I'm only two sips of coffee in. Don't do this to me. Um, so it's his abduction is very sad. He was convinced by a man that his parents didn't want him, him being Steven. Um, I'm not even giving this man his name because fuck him. Um, so this pedophile went as far as faking a phone call to the parents of Steven in front of Steven. Mm-hmm. And reluctantly and heartbroken, Steven left with this man and no one would see him for seven years. Oh so gosh. apparently they, so there is a movie called I Know My First Name is Steven and mm-hmm. it came out like in the, 90s 80s i don't know i didn't look at the date but the way they show because they show clips of the movie in the documentary the way steven says that it happened and like the the movie portrays it is that he pulled steven aside and was talking to him and they have this like creepy fucking scene where a car pulls up and the guy in the car looks at the the man talking to steven and nods like, mm-hmm, that's the one. And then he goes, why don't you come with me? Uh, we, are, You know, I bet your mom would love to donate things to the church. We'll just drop you off at home and we can talk to her about it. And he gets in the car. Well, because there was two guys. You're right. Yeah. It wasn't just one. It was like, two guys. what the fuck? Oh, wow. Like, yeah, that's the one. <sighs> Y'all get a different hobby. That's gross. Anyway, yes. But Sarah, you're dead on with the, like, faking the calls mm-hmm. and, like, just very traumatic. But overall, the story, 100 percent reminds me of sean hornbeck yes oh yes crazy no andrew was watching the documentary i started with first and he was like didn't you guys just cover sean hornbeck and i was like yeah i feel like this is the reason our parents were like stranger danger stranger Mm -hmm. danger Mm -hmm. even if like something crazy like 90 percent of assaults don't happen outside of the family yeah we should get to go home at night because those poor parents okay yeah um, as you can imagine, this does nothing for the family dynamic in the Stainer household. Being one of the older children, Carrie felt a lot of grief. He felt that he should have been able to look out for his brother, and his father felt the same. That somehow oh, this was Carrie's fault. Great. He'd also say stuff to Carrie like, quote, the wrong boy got taken. Yeah. And now he gets a lot more responsibility pushed onto him because this is the only time I will give his parents like some understanding. His parents are obviously shaken and they're grief stricken, which I understand, but good Lord. Um, so for that reason, they want Steven to always watch his little sisters. Like you are in charge of these girls. Like you guys are a unit now, which again, I understand why they're doing that, but you can't do that. Also, I being like, it's your fault. Carrie's gone. Or Steven's gone. I wish it was you. I will say the mom did comment and, like Stephen and Carrie's mom yeah, said it was so hard in the beginning because the kids like, yeah, Carrie was the oldest, but like the girls were really young and he, she's like, what am I supposed to say? Like that, that me and your dad are scared that they kidnapped him and they chopped him up into little pieces. I can't say that to a kid. So that is like her mentality. I can totally see why she was like, you all four have to stay together. Yes. That's like, yes. Mm-hmm. I really do feel bad for this mom because again, she went from abuse to abuse. Then mm-hmm. her son gets abducted. Like, I feel like 
if we were pulling lots in life, hers was not the most lucky. No. Yeah. And you this was tell. also not at a time where I think women had enough freedom to be like, and I'm out of here. Yeah, what was she mm-hmm. supposed to do? She just stayed at home with five children. And so I'm not saying she's perfect either. I'm just trying to make them sound like humans and not like terrible, terrible people. You yeah. can tell in the beginning, like she's in the interview a lot in like episode one. You can tell there's, there's, she's not, she's genuinely so sad as a person just mm-hmm. from everything that happened. I bet. She's probably very traumatized. Yeah. What were you going to say, Aaron? Um, I was just thinking about, and again, you said, Carrie said this like later in life, but his views on women and now he's taking, I don't know, they're his sisters, so maybe it's different, but like taking care of the girls and everything. Someone did point out that that could be part of what leads to his like fascinations later. Like Mm -hmm. he was abused. He was sexually abused. He had a big loss, which he feels a lot of shame for. Mm -hmm. And now he has power over three women. So he is, he has to be vigilant. Yeah. 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 That is a lot to do to a tiny psyche. Yeah. yeah. Um, but luckily, the family does find out what happened to Stephen when he escapes. At the age of 15, not only does he get himself out of the situation, he saves the newest boy that the pedophile had captured. This boy was five years old. Very, very similar to the Sean Hornbeck case. That's crazy. Yes. Keep in mind, he had been captured when he was seven. So after the, like, he had basically accepted, like, this is life now. I guess life is just awful. Terrible things happen to me, and that's what it is. But after he was forced to help abduct this new boy, something finally clicks, and he's like, this is not right. Something Mm -hmm. is very wrong. So he takes the child and sneaks to the police station. He explains that the child was abducted. He also gives the new child's name. And he says, I know I was abducted as well. All I know is that my first name is Steven. So, yeah. Overnight, Steven is a hero. There is a statue in their hometown dedicated to him. Steven was interviewed by everyone, news stations, Good Morning America. And like Morgan said, there was a made-for-TV movie about his life and escape, and even a book written titled, I Know My First Name is Steven. Mm Mm-hmm. The Stainer parents were elated that their baby boy was home. They had been essentially despondent and angry for seven years. So now all is well, right? Everyone's happy. <laughs> Your story ends there, Brian. <laughs> That's it. Mm. Uh, no, no, it's not. You're pulling an Aaron, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> this one is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, no, it's not over. Because if you do the math, so whenever Stephen returns home, Carrie is now 18, 19. So all of those years of his life, all the high school years, he was the guy whose brother was abducted. Lots of formative years. (laughs) Yes. Um, So yeah, Carrie had been dealing with a lot of grief and shame internally and externally. Now his brother is back and he is the star child. Carrie is watching him get all that love, all the physical affection that he desperately needed. Like, oh God, I feel like I'm watching the Joker with this story. Oh yeah. Yes. Because remember, this is only a side quest in the making of Carrie Stainer. Oh my God. Steven went on to get married, have children, but then in another twist was killed in a hit and run accident in his early twenties. Oh my God. Yes. (sighs) Yes. Um, By this time, Carrie was living with that abusive uncle that he said, uh, molested him as a child great and working at a like mirror factory okay yes 
And this man has to be quietly breaking like underneath everything because after living with his uncle, the, this uncle Jeff, that's his name, he was found murdered with a gunshot wound to the head. Oh my gosh. Oh, no one was ever incarcerated for this. What? They thought it might have been like a local drug dealer or something else. No one suspected Carrie. Even though he lives, lives with him. Yes. Carrie okay. did make a um, suicide attempt after this. But still, no one... They thought he was just, again, very grief-stricken. You know, he just saw his brother. Yeah. Nope. Okay. Um, one day, he was found by coworkers at this factory, pounding his fists on a board, saying that he was anxious and he wanted to go inside and kill somebody. Okay. So this, along with the deaths and the suicide attempt, prompted him to get seen by a therapist. Which I would love if this is where my story stopped. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is not. Um, this therapist ultimately decided that Carrie is okay and it was a one-off <sighs> situation. Because again, oh, his life God. is crazy. It makes sense. Sometimes you're going to just lash out. Which, to be fair, everyone who worked with him at the time thought this made sense. I'm sorry. It's one thing to be upset or angry. I'm so mad I want to go inside and kill someone. That's not normal words. Tis not. Okay. Tis if not. I worked with him, I'd be like, peace, I'm out of yeah. here. Also, though, we're looking at it from a 2022 lens. That's or true. Or 2020s. This is Evergreen Podcast. Um, I feel like at that time, people were like, oh, man, like, you're just, you're losing it because all this stuff is crazy. It's not you. It's not you. Lashing out was probably a little bit more reasonable because it was like, you're a man and you're, you have all this pent up frustration. And blah, blah. Good mm-hmm. night. Yes. <laughs> um, you're not wrong. Makes me angry, but yes. Um, but yeah, his coworker said he was known to be very kind and trustworthy. People commented that they would have left their kids with him. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, and oh I no. do want to remind you, therapists are not mind readers. They can only infer and know what you do based on what you say. So the scary thing is just how good Carrie Stainer was at keeping that front-facing face intact mm. and not letting it slip. Because underneath the surface, there was a storm of ruin. His oh. parents move away. And this time, like I said, his, his brother is dead. Carrie quits his job. He's alone and decides he's going to live off the grid. Oh. He gets hired at a handy... Blah, blah, blah. He gets hired as a handyman at a hotel on the edge of Yosemite National Park. Oh, boy. Again, coworkers loved him. No issue. He found the most peace hiking in the national park and being outdoors. He also loved sunbathing. Naked. I knew <laughs> you were going to fucking say that. Oh, <laughs> Nakey. Nakey, nakey. Nakey. Little booty in the air. <laughs> Which could be because it felt good, but it could also be a power move. Because exposing yourself and getting that shock from others, that is a power move. I mean, it's a total, like, maladaptive power move, but, like, I don't think anyone should be going out like, I'm going to be a strong man today. I do this. Sarah, that was some fans words. Thank you. Thank you. Maladaptive. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at slide 16, <laughs> we see maladaptive. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, he started spending more time in the woods. And while he was up there, he was smoking marijuana. <gasps> Devil's lettuce. The devil's <laughs> lettuce, ladies. Um, which it's relatively harmless in most people, but he was not in a good mental state, and it looks like he was probably self-medicating <laughs> with it. Yes. 
Yes. So kind of like your episode last time where if someone having a depressive episode shouldn't rely on drugs and alcohol? Yes. Hmm. (laughs) Ironic, isn't it? (laughs) Again, any of those things like drinking, drugs, whatever, you can't do them like and try and use it as medication. Like, I'm sad. This is how I'm going to do it. No, perhaps not. That's probably not your best solution. For leisure. Leisure use. I know we're not like gurus telling you how to live your life, but if we could give one small push. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So he's smoking, he's out there, he's hiking a lot, being naked, living <laughs> like a wild man, and he becomes obsessed with Bigfoot and finding him. Again, whoa, whoa, whoa. Separate branch of his personality. Yes. <laughs> Please. Which there was a psychiatrist I was watching on, like, most dangerous killers or Whoa. most evil killers and they were Ooh. saying they were making a leap that maybe he thought he was bigfoot um but we are going to skip past that just know okay. that is a theory not my theory all right <laughs> okay um the psychiatrists that were interviewed on this documentary the same one that was like he maybe thought he was bigfoot eh? so <laughs> he wait, was not from america we're taking it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. yes well, he does describe this as a time when Carrie is a man fraying at the seams. Oh. Yes, which I oh. loved. Because up until now, you can see he's been very regimented. His family's been around him. And as I said, his father was um, a ranking sergeant in the military. So he ran his household like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he's alone and he has time with his thoughts. And he's giving those bad thoughts the attention he should have never done. Mm. Um, let's get to Valentine's Day 1999. I was a wee little lass. <laughs> a wee little lass. <laughs> um, park visitors and hotel guests, Carol and Julie Sund, and that's S-U-N as in Nancy, D as in dog, Sund. <laughs> they were a mother and daughter. Mm. And then Julie, who was the daughter, she brought her friend along with her, Sylvia Peloso. Okay. So... I did a little extra research on this family, and basically their last day, they went for a hike, they rented some movies at the front desk, and that was the last they were ever seen. Okay. Wow. Yes. It's tragic. Mm. Um, So on Valentine's Day, they get a knock on their hotel room door. Carrie had seen them arrive, he watched them out on their hike, and he also knew that they were the only people staying on the property at the time. Okay. Disgusting. I'm sorry, that's yes. being the only, no. And wouldn't you know it, this was perfect, because it played into a very specific fantasy that Carrie had. Uh, of course it did. To torture two teenage <sighs> girls. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Carrie casually knocks on the door and explained that he was the maintenance man, and he had been there to fix a toilet issue. Could they I'm let him in one. for just a few minutes to take a look? Mm. Carol, the mom, was very cautious. She keeps the door closed and through the door says, you know, hang on one sec. Let's go, She'll girl. go and look for herself. Yeah. Oh, a handy woman. Yes. Mm-hmm. And through the door, she comes back and says, nope, like no leak. We're all good. Thanks for stopping. Wrong room. <laughs> bye. I, I can feel her and she's like, nope, get the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Stainer starts pleading with her. Like, please let me in. You know, it's just another box I have to check. I'm already on thin ice. If I don't do it, I'm going to lose my job. Like, my job is in your hands. Wah, wah. Shut the fuck up. She finally complies. No. Because no. she is a nice lady. He guilt tripped her. Ugh. Yeah. And so the more you learn about her family, 
they do seem like genuinely nice people. So she's probably like, oh, like I don't want this guy to lose his job, whatever. Yeah. As soon as he enters the room, he pulls out his gun and closes the door behind him. Cool. Locking all three women in this room with him. Cool. He leads the two teenage girls to the bathroom mm. and strangles Carol. <gasps> oh, my gosh. He puts the now deceased mother in the trunk of her own rental car. He takes the girls out one by one. Sylvia. Wait, whoa. He made it all the way from their room after strangling her to death, put her in her car, and then came back for the girls? Yes, because I don't think I explained where he works very well, at, actually, at all. It is a motel mm. in the, um, like, right on the edge of Yosemite National Park. So... It was like three steps from the room to the car because they parked okay. right in front. Okay. And you said they were the only ones there, mm-hmm. correct? Oh. And Carrie, part of his job, he also lived there. So, so he, he knew would know. everything. Yes. He knew who was coming and going. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes more sense. It is a perfect storm of terror. Yes. Mm. And he had locked those girls in the bathroom. Oh. Yes. Got it. Okay. Um. He takes the girls out one by one now. Sylvia, who was the exchange student, is first. He um, he assaults her. And then when she starts screaming and wouldn't comply, he kills her as well. Oh, my God. And adds her to the trunk next to Carol. Now only Julie is left. At the beginning of her day, she's on a hiking getaway with her mom and friend. And this is just a terrible end. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Carrie leads her out of the bathroom. And he uh, assaults her for hours, but he doesn't kill her. Okay. Instead, something weird happens. He starts to look at this as a relationship. So he happened very fast. Yes. Okay. He he doesn't kill her. And instead, he lays in bed with her for a long time. And then he packs her into the car early in the morning before sunrise. He drives east off the property with Julie in the front seat and the two deceased women in the trunk. He drives for 90 minutes to a picturesque spot in Yosemite Park. He picks Julie up out of the car like she is his bride. Like, because <gasps> her hands are, they're still tied. Yeah. Like, he had duct taped them. How old is she? Like, 18? Um, she's a teenager. Oh, my God. So, yeah, he picks her up like it's their wedding night. And he carries her to this picturesque, picturesque spot. That's another word we should just do away with. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm like honestly, probably may vomit later. Like this is so. Oh yes. So he sets her down on this rock so they can watch the sunrise together. This poor girl. He then cuts her throat and <gasps> leaves her to die by the river. <gasps> oh my gosh. That's what I'm saying. Like something is very wrong. Oh yeah. It is horrifying. Also, strangled, strangled, and then. Cut a throat? Yes. That's a lot. And just leaves her laying there. Yeah. And this is the one he was like, we're in a relationship together. Yes. That's very fucked up. Because he does do interviews later, and I think he insinuates, like, you know what? She was fantastic. Like, we really had a great time. And people are like, uh, good sir. I think, I think maybe you are confused. Um, Wow. So he was like, so, like, so, so, so delusional. Yes. Um, (sighs) I mean, obviously. That sounds obvious. I'll go into explain a bit later, but you'll see he is not proud of the assaults. And I think that's part of why he explains it like a relationship. 
So mm. it like justifies what yeah. he did. Ah, like okay. I know she probably wanted me, blah, blah, blah. Blech. Got it. But at the same time, Horrible. he does explain it like he was more powerful, like overpowering the mom and that Sylvia. And then for Julie, he makes it seem like it actually just worked like magic. Huh. But then I had to kill her because I'd kill the other girls. Um, okay. He ditches the car in the woods and calls a taxi. Throughout the 90-minute ride back, which has to be very expensive in a taxi. Uh-huh. Yeah. He talks about Bigfoot and how the taxi driver should believe and fear him. Oh, That's why I'm saying his obsession is a bit more. Like, is that your God? Like, is yeah. that your... I don't know. Okay. Once he is dropped off, he starts his shift at the hotel. Oh, my God. He cleans the room to make sure there's no evidence and goes about his day. Which even the hotel staff is like, yeah, there was no sign of a struggle. Like, they were interviewed. No one thought anything. Because remember, both girls in there had been strangled. So that's pretty – it's not a big cleanup. That's true. And I was going to say, there's not a big cleanup. And also, um, if there's only one – there's only one family in the hotel, there can't be that super staffed. I mean – Correct. I used to work in a hotel. Like, they don't – yeah. If you're cut, baby. <laughs> like, if you only got 100 rooms to clean, you, half, the room, half the group is cut. Mm-hmm. Um, no one s- suspects anything for two days. Holy shit. The father of the Sund family isn't even initially worried. They're at a national park. It's the 1990s. Reception could be bad. Delays happened. They could have got off, like, off the path, got lost. It's just going to take them a minute. They'll be back. Yeah. There wouldn't be a missing persons report filed for four days. During this time, Stainer starts getting antsy and he decides he needs to go back to the dumped car. Okay. He steals some personal personal items, most notably Carol's wallet, and then he sets the vehicle on fire. Then, in an effort to trick authorities, he takes and drops off Carol's wallet in Modesto, California, which is 30 minutes the opposite direction. Oh my god. The wallet was found quickly, and now the case goes from being a low-priority missing person to a potential homicide. And because the women were last seen at the National Park, it is federal and the FBI is involved. What an idiot. Yes. Almost immediately, the FBI interviews everyone at the motel, including Stainer. The FBI thought that he seemed stoic, calm, not suspicious. Oh, my God. Meanwhile, Stainer was convinced they saw right through him. He's like, my heart was pounding. I was for sure sweating guess not um but yeah he must have been more convincing than he thought or he's like a psychopath or something yeah, yeah. like turned he, it off yeah you can turn it off maybe he just thinks he's acting like how a normal person would if they're about <laughs> yeah. to be caught but <laughs> but really he's, he's like not. <laughs> all right yeah man like not a problem whatever you need mm-hmm. they- well because he was known as like the weird hippie handyman who lays out naked in the park yeah so yeah that may have been like a first like you're going into it knowing like He's a bit different. He's all like you already think eccentric, (laughs) eclectic. (laughs) People have called me eccentric. Thank you. Oof. Um. Four months pass. Oh my god! And the case is going cold. I mean, the husband had put up two hundred fifty thousand dollars for information because, again, he was thinking back in the nineties too. Yes, even with the wallet found, he was like, "I know it looks bad. She probably dropped it." Wife could be a klutz. I think she just went off the trail. Like, they're lost. They're probably hurt. So they had crews out there looking for them. Oh, my. This, again, this family seems very wholesome. It's very sad. Um, 
Also crazy that he took her to a nice scenic spot in Yosemite and no one has found Julie's body. Yet. Yes. Four months. It's because he left her on the rock, but I think maybe he like pushed her in the water or something because she got underneath like a thicket. Oh. Okay. Yes. Okay. Or maybe she struggled. Oh, that's... I'm I'm choosing to believe it was beautiful. It was quick. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I don't saw a sunrise. Guess I'm a little too sinister on this day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I need to sleep at night. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, four months happen. A friendly hunter finds the abandoned car burned and containing two unrecognizable bodies in the trunk. Even with the car being found, Stainer thinks he's in the clear. It's been four months, and he knows the fire did what it needed to. They had to identify them by their DNA. Ah. Or no, by um, teeth samples. By their teeth. Mm -hmm. Authorities had been dragging in the stereotypical subjects. Nope, suspects. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, They were known meth addicts and sellers. Okay. They were convinced, well, they didn't think it could be one person because it was three women. So they were thinking like a group of like methed out people, Mm. just like a manic act. How could one person do take all three of these lives? Yes. Yeah. Especially because, yeah, the mom was fit enough. The daughter was like a cheerleading person. So she was active. Yeah. It shouldn't have been easy. Stainer also has started ingratiating himself in the case, helping cops where he could, taking them out to the woods when needed. So mm-hmm. he's feeling very confident that it's not me. They mm-hmm. don't think it's me. Okay. He is so bold. He writes a letter to the FBI with a map showing them where they can find Julie Sund. Whoa. Are you fucking kidding me? Yep. The letter is legit, and it showed the authorities where Julie was, and that's how they found her. Unfortunately, Carrie Stainer is a serial killer, so we are not done. Oh, my God. Okay, Sarah, serial just means more than one. I thought this was it. No, it means um, three or more, right? Oh, I thought it was more than one. Three or more, but it can't be all at the same time. There has to be, like, a clear cooling off period. Okay, we're almost done. Keep in mind, he is still not a suspect. It's four months. Stainer had been hiking in Yosemite, and he comes across Joy Armstrong, a 26-year-old vibrant park worker. Once he realized that she was by herself packing her car, he approaches her and talks about working in the park. He then pulls out a gun, gets her into her house, where he binds her hands and mouth with duct tape, and then he gets her back into the car. As he's pulling away, she escapes the vehicle and starts (gasps) sprinting. But she is taped, so her sprint is not as fast as it could be. Mm-hmm. Oh. Stable, well, Stainer is able to catch up to her, tackle her, and he very violently murders her. He almost decapitates her. Oh, my Whoa. God. The scary thing is, had he not committed that fourth murder, he may have never been caught. Oh, my God. Because when Joy Armstrong was found within days, it proved to the FBI that they had the wrong people incarcerated. People had seen Carrie's car in the park that day. Mm. Carrie had been documented by park rangers at the park because he had been caught nude sunbathing and talked to. (gasps) They had to bring him back for questioning. Um, And then, yeah, how crazy. Post-murder, he decides to go nude sunbathe and just relax. Post? Yes. Guess it wasn't much of a power move after all, was it? (laughs) Right. When he got back to his room at the hotel, the FBI interviewed him again, and took tire prints of his car. It took them one day to match the prints, and when they go back to arrest Carrie, they found that he had ran. 
No oh. shit. He was on the run for 48 hours. Authorities had issued a be on the lookout, and they found him near Sacramento at a nudist camp. He was just sitting at the restaurant on the property. Dude, that's how they know you best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're always nude. Yeah. You're always naked. <laughs> it's not much of a yeah, cover up for you. He was arrested and taken in for a third round of questioning. Before he confesses to the police, he confesses to a local reporter who had been covering the death of the fourth victim, Joy Armstrong. What a fucking asshole. Yes. The first words out of his mouth are, I want a movie of the week made about my crimes. Which is exactly what his brother Stephen got when he escaped. This man is unwell. Oh my god. Oh my god. (gasps) Okay. The reporter asked him, what would you say to the families? And he said he would like to tell the families that he is sorry that their loved ones were where they were when they were. Basically saying like he couldn't stop it. Oh. (laughs) And in fact, to your question, Aaron, he did think he deserved some credit for resisting this urge for 30 years. Oh. Yes. He's like, hmm. I I could have done this so many times. I resisted until now. I want to evaporate into the ceiling right now. Are you? Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Yes. The reporter described him as speaking in a cold, clinical manner. And he noticed that Carrie seemed detached and very, again, just clinical about the murders. And the sexual assaults, though, he ve- vehemently denied. He seemed to want to take credit for the murders, but was embarrassed about the assaults. Hmm. Okay. Yes. He went to court and was sentenced for three first-degree murders with special circumstances and one count of kidnapping. He is currently waiting death row in San Quentin prison. Wait, three? I was also confused. Um, I don't know if they didn't have enough evidence for one of them or something, but they probably knew they could nail him for three, got that, and now he's on death row. Oh, they kept one as a backup probably. Yes. And that's the story of Carrie Stainer. Holy He's moly. still on there right now? Yes, I think he's still alive. Holy fuck, he's old Well, as you hell. said California, right? Mm-hmm. I think they right. got rid of the death penalty. Not necessarily yeah. got rid of, but right now, whoever's the governor or something, there's just like a halt on it. So if he's like gets out of office, someone else may like bring it back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, no death penalties can happen while he's in office. So he'll still be waiting up there. I won't comment. Mile. I won't comment. Yeah. That hurt. <laughs> that was rough. Yes. What the fuck, dude? It's sad because, like, you see his early life, but at the same time, like, you are responsible for your actions, no matter what your background is. Like, you have to find a way to get help because we can't. That's terrible. I think we say it every time. Just abuse doesn't mean become, like, lots of people come out of abusive situations and don't kill anyone. Mm -hmm. It's highly possible. Yes. Yeah. Make good choices. That's all I have to say. Well, yeah, there's a saying I like, like, it's, um... Like your mental health and stuff. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. Yes. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. I heard it and I was like, I love that. Yeah. Like it's your responsibility to be the best person you can. So. Mm -hmm. And I get it. He, you know, was holding it in for like 30 years or whatever, but still there's other things you could have done to hopefully maybe help him out a little bit more. So he didn't, you know, make terrible, terrible choices and kill people. Yes. I've held in being a vegetarian for 28 years, <laughs> and I'm I'm still good. No fraying at the seams here. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my story, we knew why they disappeared. But I think, Aaron and Morgan, you're going to tell us about some unexplained disappearances, perhaps? Yes. yes. Perhaps. Yes. yes. <laughs> Definitely. Mine is very per- 
perplexing. Okay. I'm, I'm curious Maybe. what you guys think. We are rich with the big words this morning, <laughs> ladies. We read our dictionaries, our thesaurus. <laughs> Sore ass. <laughs> kind of sore ass. It was like me, sore ass. <laughs> you know what? And cut. <laughs> and leave it in. Perhaps. Mm, he will. <laughs> All righty. So today I will be covering the disappearance of Sandra Johnson Hughes. Whoa. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes. It's a pretty perplexing case. So. I'm curious to see what you guys think okay. at the end. Big words today. Mm-hmm. Perplexing. Uh, maladaptive. Maladaptive. Uh, Trichotillomania over here. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I got degrees. <laughs> it's June 26, 2020. Oh, that's new. <laughs> <laughs> I mean recent. It is recent, yes. <laughs> I like said that so yesterday. confidently. <laughs> 53-year-old Sandra Johnson Hughes contacts her family and tells them she will be camping and hiking for a few days in the Sierra National Forest. Good girl. She says she may also hike around Yosemite National Park, which I put into Google Maps, and it said it was just about a, like, 20-minute walk between the two parks. Nice. Okay. She had traveled to California from Maui and would be going on this trip solo. Okay. And if you guys caught the date, uh, we all know that people were stuck in quarantine for months during that time. Yep. Sandra told her uh, niece specifically that she was planning on quarantining in the National Forest. Uh, So that's what she was wanting to do. Okay. I love her head's at. Yes, yes. This didn't bother her family since Sandra is an avid camper and hiker. She loved the outdoors from a young age and had gone to college to become a park ranger. Oh, yeah. She's it. Yes. Yeah. She was even described as being a survivalist. Okay. According to her family, Sandra didn't like staying in one place for too long. She had had two unsuccessful marriages that didn't lead to any children, which may have been a personal choice, but this did give her the ability to move from place to place and to explore the areas she traveled to, particularly the wilderness. Nice. Besides using this opportunity to clear her head, Sandra thought staying in the Sierra National Forest would be the best way for her to stay healthy since she wouldn't be around anyone. Which makes sense. I love this woman. Mm -hmm. Literally got goals. She's got plans. Yeah. Hitting them, making them. Got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nine days later, though, hikers find a campsite in Johnson Meadows between Besor and Minarets Roads that appears to have been abandoned. Mm-hmm. They notice that the campsite is disorderly. Bags look like they have been dumped out. Camping gear and supplies seem to have been thrown around. They contact the Madera County Sheriff's Office to report their findings. According to Jennifer's Medium.com piece, authorities find enough personal belongings and documents to determine that this is Sandra's camp. Sierra News Online reported that one of her belongings was a binder that contained her family's contact information. So mm. this definitely isn't her first rodeo. She yes. have you guys ever seen an abandoned campsite? No. Have no. you? Yes. We went we were in Colorado and we went through like Estes Park mm-hmm. and there was this whole section of there's like wildfires that went through. So it's like super charred, super burnt, and then just after that it's like some green and then we saw it from the road, but just even still seeing it from the road was so jarring because like it just oh like oh there's a campsite area and it's like why are there no cars it's just tents set up and then like the more you look the scarier it is because you're like oh that one's collapsed 
oh, that one's tent flap is open and is just blowing in the breeze. And it's just like eerily just dead. Oh, strange. Yeah. So I can't. That's very. That is really strange. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what reason you would have for just abandoning your Well, campsite. I think it was this, in this particular case, was, was the a fire. fire. Yeah. Okay, well, then that makes sense. But yes, um, some people apparently also just do that. They buy super cheap tents and they set it up and they just live there it. for like, they just, as they're like hiking, that's just what they do. And I was like, damn, you must have a lot of fucking money, bro. Yeah. Even a cheap tent is not cheap. <laughs> not worth Maybe going was, back for. Yeah. It was raining the morning they were supposed to leave. Like, we're not, we're not packing up yeah. this wet tent. So they're like, it. ah, fuck it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Authorities uh, searched the area, only discovering Sandra's 2005 Silver Sob near Chiquito Creek, about two to five miles north from her campsite. But what's odd is that the car had some visible damage to it. Officers theorized the car had crashed into a tree going less than 20 miles per hour since the airbags weren't deployed. It's a lot of theory, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to that near the end. The Sob then rolled down a ravine and got stuck. Officers left a note on her vehicle with instructions to contact them when she returned to her car. They also added, your family is worried about you at the bottom of the note. Okay, but did they think she got in an accident and then was like, oh, it's okay. My car's crashed on the side of the road. I'm just going to go for a little hike and come back. Like, mm-hmm. that's weird to me. But yeah, okay. she's hiking to get help or. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's Maybe she true. left to that's true. try to find someone or tell someone. Yeah. Because um, <sighs> she is in the middle of the national forest. I'll get yeah. to that. Yeah. So since there was no sign of Sandra, authorities did contact her family, and they tell officers Sandra called them on June 26th about her camping trip, but they hadn't spoken to her since. They were shocked to hear about the state they found her campsite in. Sandra was um, a very organized person, especially when she was on her camping and hiking trips. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't have left her campsite in disarray, let alone leave a single piece of trash behind, um, per what her family said. Uh, Sandra's niece, Ashley Makis, told Sierra News Online, quote, it's not like her to disappear like this. She will always call her text when she comes into range, end quote. Uh-huh. Also, it's 2020. Yes. Like, cell phones have way better range now. Mm-hmm. There are GPSs. She has battery packs. Like, if this girl is as prepped as she is, there's no mm-hmm. way her phone's dying or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. she wouldn't have let that happen. No. Ugh. I keep, like, Sarah's was so far back yes. that like I keep thinking like oh it's the 60s I'm like no fuck it's not it literally it's two years ago yeah mm-hmm. less than Jeez. <sighs> the Madera County Sheriff Department California Highway Patrol Governor's Office of Emergency Services and the California National Guard commence a widespread search utilizing officers volunteers dogs and helicopters even with all of those resources no evidence of Sandra was found her family hung up posters of Sandra in nearby towns in the hopes that a camper or hiker had come across her and would recognize her picture. Two hikers who had seen Sandra's missing poster remembered spotting her while they were out hiking on the 4th of July. Oh. They approached Sandra and asked her if she needed help when they noticed she was barefoot and her face was bruised. Whoa. What? Mm-hmm. But Sandra told them she was fine and they continued on with their hike. Barefoot. Apparently, yes. What? Okay. Yeah. I went down a little, like, Reddit hole just to see if there was anything different that they or other commenters put that I hadn't found, which there really wasn't. But a lot of people give these hikers flack, and I'm like, I mean, I don't know. You approach the person, the person says they're fine, you don't know them, and you 
carry on. no idea what those bruises are from. Like, yes. Yeah, I mean, mm, hmm. The, the, I don't give them, like, it's more like knowing myself. I'd be like, are you sure? Like, you got no shoes on. Like, I, like, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid to, like, ask some more dive questions. Dive a little, yeah. yeah. And who maybe, knows? Maybe they did. Maybe they um, did. Some commenters on Reddit were like, they should have followed her and made sure she was safe. No. And I'm like, That's you us. don't know this person. <laughs> I'm You sorry. don't know what they're about to go do. Like, you don't know that yeah. they're escaping something. Maybe you don't they know that did they... something bad. <laughs> exactly. Bad you don't person. know that they're not following you. Yeah. <laughs> so... I get it a little bit. Again, I don't know how in-depth they asked her questions or offered help, um, but she refused it. Okay. The next tip wouldn't come until a month later. On August 9th, two hunters contacted authorities to report a woman leaning against a tree in the Chiquito Creek area along Road 5S01, about five miles from where Sanders' campsite had been. The hunters didn't approach the woman because she didn't seem to be hurt or in trouble. Assuming she was just taking a break from a hike, they just continued on with their day they had no idea she was a missing person until they came across her poster after returning to town this is a month later a month later yes what what Mm -hmm. they told police they were positive the woman they came across was sandra the only difference they could tell from her and the picture on her poster was that she appeared a lot thinner what the fuck okay yeah i told you it's a crazy one the Sierra National Forest contains 1.3 million acres of land and is surrounded by other national parks. So Yosemite to the north, the Sequoia mm-hmm. National Forest to the south, and Death Valley to the southeast, just to name a few. I mean, there's a ton of surrounding national parks. Sanders' campsite was situated about in the middle of the Sierra National Forest. The area contains several mountains and reservoirs. Forest fires aren't uncommon either. Mm-hmm. And again, like I mentioned, I went down the Reddit hole, and per some commenters, the area Sandra was in was remote, rocky, and connected by narrow dirt roads. The extensive area, along with the tough terrain, made it difficult to search for Sandra, and unfortunately, no clues were found, and Sandra's case just went cold. This is... Oh, my damn. Yeah. No, here's what's even weirder. <laughs> okay. What? <laughs> A year goes by with no new leads until Madera County Sheriff Deputy Chris Williams comes across an interesting Facebook post. Victoria Gorba had posted about her family's trip to the Madera County Mountains and her son's bewildering behavior when they had stopped for lunch in Johnson Meadows. Victoria and her husband noticed that their three-year-old son, Caden, seemed to be talking to someone while they were preparing lunch. He also explored the area like he was looking for something or someone. Like he was on a mission. Their three-year-old. Their three-year-old, yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Victoria didn't think much of it until they returned to their car. Caden had been staring out the window at something, and Victoria was intrigued by what her son was looking at so intensely. He told her, quote, yeah, there's a lady over in the meadow in a black shirt. She needs our help, but she's dead, and she's laying face down with her legs up, and she can't talk to me, but she's over there. We need to go help her. End quote. A three-year-old. What? This is what he apparently said. Isn't that so chilling? Yeah, I... All the bumps of the goose right here. I'm glad I'm wearing jeans. (laughs) Whoa. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I was kind of wondering if it was going to go that route when you said a year later, but... Yes. Oh, I went to straight, like, she's a mountain woman now. She lives in the woods. She got poisoned by some bad water. She's confused. This boy's freaked out. (laughs) 
There are many theories we will get to, um, but this does continue. Uh, so shocked and slightly disturbed by her son's response, the family got out of the car to search the area. But they didn't find, you know, a woman. They didn't find a woman's body. Thank God. Yeah. They resumed their trip, but ended up returning home a few days earlier than planned. Still unsettled by Caden's eerie remark. Uh-huh. I mean, I think we all were when we heard yeah. it. Yeah. Caden, I'm... I... Ooh, woof. Yes. People don't forget Caden. No. Deputy Williams believed the woman Caden had... I'll say, quote unquote, scene had to have been Sandra because the woman Victoria wrote as having blue hair and wearing a black shirt and blue jeans, uh, which is what Caden described. Blue hair. That's very distinct. Yes. Um, So that matched Sandra's appearance and was the exact clothing she had apparently been wearing when she had gone missing. Oh, my God. Yes. So again, those just details, like where do you get them from? Very interesting. Help. Help. Yeah. This poor boy. (laughs) Deputy Williams went with Caden and Mr. Gorba to Johnson Meadows to just kind of walk around the area, kind of conduct a little search of their own, um, of the area they'd visited for lunch, but they came up empty-handed. They didn't see anything. Okay. To this day, Sandra has never been found. There are various theories in regards to her disappearance. Some people question whether Sandra had suffered from an accident, which led to her acting strangely and ditching her campsite. Mm. Um, Maybe she lost control of her car on the narrow dirt roads and got injured in the crash, which again would be why she would be driving so slowly Mm -hmm. and going under 20 miles per hour. Um, And then that accident may have caused injuries that she later maybe succumbed to um, or is still dealing with at this time. Others believe Sandra gave up domesticity, kind of like, so Sarah, what you were saying, and she decided to live out the rest of her days in the wild. Um, There are also those who fear Sandra met with foul play and was murdered in the forest. Uh, So again, there's just nothing concrete that, you know, ties into any one of these theories specifically. Uh, the only recent thing I found was a comment on the Disappeared Blog's webpage. So this person claims they saw a woman in June of this year, matching Sanders' description, driving a gray four-door vehicle in Washington. <sighs> I just thought I'd add that. I don't think it's been looked into. As much as I want to go there and look for myself, mm-hmm. I am thoroughly convinced that whatever happened happened near the car and she's been dead the whole time. And even the people that saw her barefoot, she was a ghost. Oh. Ooh. That's, Ooh, that's a twist. That is a twist. I'm cool with that. Oh, I'm not cool with that. I don't like it. But leaning up against a tree, ghost. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Caden saw a ghost, but also ghost. <laughs> Personally, I'm leaning more towards an accident. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean 53 and... Her family says her behavior is just. She wouldn't not... make the choice to walk without shoes unless she had a brain injury or like something was not computing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Even maybe if she it... was going to go off the grid, I don't think she would not have I shoes don't... on. That's not the way you do it. No. Also, if someone no. if someone preps that much and is that mm-hmm. good at it, you need those tools still to survive. So, yes, yeah, that's how I feel. <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's tied to the accident. Maybe she's suffering from something else and she was just by herself when it happened. I I mean, no one knows at this point. Wild. It is wild, yes. And it stinks because, like, that's why mine's so short today. There's just, like, nothing else. Like, she was there. A couple people say they saw her. 
Now where is she? Where'd she go? Yes. Uh, Sandra Johnson Hughes is a uh, five foot three Caucasian woman with brown eyes and shoulder length hair that had been dyed blue. Her original hair color is brown, though. She weighed 150 pounds at the time of her disappearance. If she is still alive and the hunter's accounts are accurate, Sandra likely weighs um, much less than that now if she is still alive. Mm-hmm. Um, Families say she sometimes went by the nickname Sandy and she would be around 56 years old today. If anyone listening, if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Sandra Johnson Hughes, please contact the Madera County Sheriff's Office at 559-675-7770. And I'll add that to the show notes too. Uh, But yeah, that's my story on the mysterious disappearance of Sandra Johnson Hughes. And it stinks about with all of those like national forests so close together, like Mm -hmm. where she could have walked to any of them. Yeah. You just don't know. You have no idea. Also, she went by herself. So you really don't know what she brought with her camping. Mm -hmm. So to like add credence to the idea that she went off you know, and wanted to become a wild woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She could have had a whole other set of stuff and just taken it with her. Yeah. 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 I mean, she, I'm, I'm just, you know me. I don't, uh-huh. yeah. Or she just did. Leave or she's a fucking the... ghost. <laughs> she's a ghost. Yes. We'll go Bitch, with that. Bitch, I'm a ghost. <laughs> uh, it is so scary though. Ooh, it is very scary. Yeah. The Incident no ending is always worse than an ending. Yes. No, I agree. Which is why at the very beginning when you were like, maybe this will make you think about like going camping with someone else. And I was like that, my story to a T, if you take anything away from it, which again, like she seemed, she did this all the time and she was capable. Again, I mean, yeah. if you're capable, do what you want. We won't tell you how to live your lives, yeah. but, and she called her family and then she just nothing. That's something had to have happened. I think something happened, especially that car crash. Something happened. Yes. Again, I lead more toward an accident than foul play, but I mean, any, anything's possible, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, Morgan, is yours a little bit like happier or uh, maybe? Uh, I mean, we had really sad, like upsetting that mine doesn't have an ending. Like, just, is yours? Just neutral. Just neutral. Okay. okay. That's probably the best way we could end it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like chaotic neutral. Have yeah. you seen those? Like, yes. <laughs> and we know how chaotic I've been today. So, uh, it's it's still chaotic so uh, let me get my notes okay all right so obviously the paranormal side slash urban legends uh side of yosemite national park coming at you uh i did watch a few youtube videos and the stories are all pretty similar on the experiences that started these legends However, some of these videos are so damn dramatic. Like, <laughs> then in the woods. Blah, blah, like, and there's just, like, these YouTube guys who are just, like, reading in, like, the most deep, dramatic voices. And it's like, and they were playing volleyball. And I'm like, can we, can we move on? Anyway, so I had to take my search to the internet. Uh, I did find an amazing article on thelineup.com. Obviously, I'll have it in the show notes. That listed eight legends, and I'm going to talk about them today. Ooh, okay. And one I recently talked about, Bigfoot. Yes, uh, Sarah mentioned it in her episode as well, but we're coming back at you with Bigfoot. So butte-tree.net has a just very good uh, little snippet of how they think 
Bigfoot is a part of some of these disappearances that we've all been mentioning throughout the episode. So I thought it was just best to read directly from there. So, quote, a worker woke, woke up um, and there was, and they were camping in the Tuliamine Meadows. Did someone already talk about that? Tuliamine? I feel like that was familiar. But anyway, uh, he mentioned Miguel Meadows near Lake Vernon in Yosemite was a hot spot for weird and unusual things. He was in his tent, ready to go to sleep, and he heard something running down the hill towards his tent. Ooh, oh, no. Yeah, could you imagine? Just like, oh. uh, No. Yeah. He got out of the tent and let out the loudest scream he could, which was returned directly shouting in his face, but louder. It was dark, and the guy described what he saw as something tall with black fur, and it looked like it weighed 600 pounds. It was standing up like a human. No, no, thank you. End quote. So uh, this is an abbreviated like summary um, from another site. Um, so if you want to read the whole thing, it's on uh, BigfootEncounters.com. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I would like to point out that the lineup.com also stated that Jane Goodall, yes, the Jane Goodall, uh, believes that Bigfoot could exist in remote remote parts of the world. Woohoo! So, awesome. if you don't know who Jane Goodall is, then you're trash. Anyway, she's good y'all. Uh, okay. she, she's I would good. take her word for it. Yeah, I'd believe her. Like probably the most decorated primate expert ever. Just. Ugh. Anyway, anyway. Perfection. Yes. So, again, just giving like a little bit of a sample of the fact that maybe these creatures do live in the woods and are affecting disappearances are, again, part of this weird vibe that Yosemite seems to give off. Mm-hmm. Um, next on the list is the ghost of someone who unalived themselves. Based on the site, they say the reason for the action is still unknown. And I will not describe it too terribly much because it was a little spooky and very sad. It is said that if you decide to camp at Site 6 and dare to venture out of your tent from anywhere from 11 p.m. to 3 a.m., you will see this ghostly camper. So, again, that's just like a little baby legend. I just wanted to toss it in there because it did make the the top eight list. Um, But not... uh, I will say the other description is a little... um, more detailed so read it if if you want um i did look up that there are more than 25 waterfalls in yosemite so okay. it's a lot um <laughs> that's a for the for the area i mean I, that's a lot i guess yeah. <laughs> i mean i feel like you don't see an, a waterfall every day of your life but go there and you could see 25 whole anyway lot of <laughs> whole lot of waterfalls and a whole lot of native tribes In my opinion, these are people, these tribes, who truly know the land and all it entails, which is why I do find this legend so haunting. And honestly, I think uh, the lineup does phrase it best with, quote, there is an ancient legend of the Awani tribe about two women who were picking berries at the top of the falls when a mist swirled up. When one of the women moved too close, the wind shrieked and threw her down into the rocky, churning waters. The chief blamed an evil spirit, a siren known as the Pohono, and forbid his people from wandering near its home. Waterfalls all over Yosemite have claimed the lives of hikers over, over the years. 
So if you're out walking, beware of the pohono, end quote. Ooh, good to know. Yeah. So waterfalls also just low-key are very dangerous. Yeah. In general. Let's add a spirit on top of it. <laughs> Let's up the ante, add a spirit. Exactly. Uh, the next story is pretty intriguing. Uh, as I stated, there were and are lots of Native people and tribes in the area. I think it really puts things into perspective as this story starts in 1857 with Gallen Clark, the, the park's first ranger. Hmm. So that's a long ass time ago. <laughs> over, over 100 years. I will say that because math is not happening right now. <laughs> Uh, there is an 8.4 mile area around Grouse Lake that is haunted. Gallen, the park ranger, heard loud cries coming from the lake, so he decided to speak to a local tribe about it. Can you imagine that, being a park ranger and just being like, hey, yo, tribe, what's this about? Yeah. Just like putting it like, that sounds like it was a bajillion years ago, but it wasn't. 1850. Seven. It sounds like a really cool encounter, honestly. Like, oh, you're yeah. the experts and I need your help. You're like, <laughs> hello, I'm just here to protect what is rightfully yours. <clears throat> oh, sorry, sorry. Did I say that? Um, anyway. <laughs> I work for you, basically. I work for you. Um, again, so he went to go tra- talk to the local tribe about it. They immediately warned him that it was the spirit of a young boy who cries from the lake only to lure people in and drown them. Whoa. This story was not only on the site I saw about these legends, but also in an article called, quote, Five scariest haunted hikes. So the fact that it also made that list is pretty spoopy. So okay, yeah. Again, water bodies of water. Watch out. This one also involves a park ranger. Um, it's called the mystery of the severed deer heads. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can read the whole story on uh lastadventurer.com i'll put that in the show notes uh but summed up the story is quote in 1998 a ranger for uh for the back county whoa back county (laughs) but the summed up story is in quote 1998 a ranger for the back country division (laughs) had a truly unsettling experience while out patrolling on foot he stumbled across not one, not two, but three freshly severed deer heads placed meticulously in the middle of the trail. After the first two, he began to grow uneasy, being 30 miles away from his vehicle, but he never encountered the culprit, and the mystery has never been solved. I don't like Very that weird. one bit. I no. did take and I did dive a teeny tiny bit into it, and just like the actual encounter is told by the person who experienced it, and it's like seven pages long. And I was like, I don't need to read about deer heads that long. Uh-huh. However, he he didn't know what it was in the middle of the trail, and he like walked up to it, realized it was like, a, and he's like, that's like, there was nothing like wrong, like it had just happened. Oh, if you catch my vibe, yes. So like just missed the person that did it. Yeah, like there was no way it had been sitting out there for that long. That long. Yeah, so... What? Or was it a person? Was it true? Mm-hmm. A creature? You what are you supposed know. to do then? Turn around? What if they were going that direction, not your direction? You don't know which way they're going. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just happened to find Severed Deer Head 1, but he put it as number 3. You have no idea. Maybe your head is next. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Ugh. 
Uh, next is the curse of... Okay, bear with me. I did write it out phonetically, so hold on. Next is the curse of Tanaya, uh, uh, Tanaya Can- Canyon, where many people have gone missing. Um, and again, when these people go missing, sometimes they don't make it home. What's even more frustrating is when we never know what happens, <laughs> kind of like Aaron's. <laughs> and that's what seems to keep occurring in the, quote, Bermuda Triangle of Yosemite. Wow. It is said that a battle in 1815 led to the death of Chief Tanaya's son. This led to the chief cursing the land. You can find out so much more information about this on authors.library.caltech. But overall, they like it's literally this area of this canyon where like a record number of people just disappear. So Weird. also, if you didn't pick up the vibe, I think three or more of these stories involve like native traditions and they're in like them being smart and warning people and or just being involved so yeah. mm-hmm. i think they know what the f- they're talking about just yes. putting yeah. that out there so um so i did at the beginning of my little section here say there was eight legends right mm-hmm. yes well, the last two are so good that they deserve their own episode. Ooh. So tune in in two weeks. Just kidding. Tune in next week because I'm a chaotic human. And again, like I said at the beginning of this episode, forgot that the order of our podcast exists outside of what I think is correct. Uh, and you will get to hear the last two legends of Yosemite. I'm excited. Right. I am too. You guys are going to be... I'm also looking up this War of 1815 because yeah. now I want to know everything about it. I think it's just a battle, but absolutely check it out. I just want to know what's going on in Yosemite, man. Yeah. yeah. Kind of want to go. Kind of want to go. I'm ready. I think we should go. <laughs> Stick together. Yeah. Yes. We can do it. Well, if you uh, liked this episode, we hope you stick around and continue to check us out. Um, we do have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, TikTok is sinister underscore sunrise underscore podcast. Um, you can slide into our DMs anytime with suggestions or topic ideas for group episodes or individual. Um, we actually just recently had a listener reach out to our uh, Facebook dm and gave us a really great suggestion about our posts so thank you so much um just continue that we love to hear your feedback um you can leave us a rating and review on itunes and follow us on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts um ladies i think that's pretty much it i think that is yeah don't hike alone please <laughs> don't yes. don't hike alone if you do call everybody call everybody everybody everyone you know exactly mm-hmm. all right well stay sinister bye thanks, thanks.